Welcome to an encouraging word from Pastor Elliot Warren from Cross Culture Church in Houston, Texas. Today, as I mentioned, I'm going to talk to you about fathers, fathers' role. You know, everybody probably recognizes men and women are different. I say that really boldly. I'm courageous. You have to be courageous to say that today. It used to be the most common sense thing you could say. You know, I forgot what the expression was. Men are from Mars or women are from Venus or something like that. I'm not sure exactly the next few statements that ought to come after that, but that part I know. But there there are significant differences between men and women. And uh, it's the craziest thing that we live in a world that tries to say there are none. I mean, we could go on and on about the, the level of craziness. I mean, seriously, it is so crazy. And because of certain people's feelings and political correctness, um, we've we've ended up accepting certain things that are the most crazy ideas ever. I believe if you know if civilization continues and Jesus doesn't come back soon, you know, generations down the road will go. That was the most stupid generation ever. Can you believe? what they thought i mean they'll be said in this generation going how'd they get so stupid i mean what in the world they, they were they were like w w did cavemen really exist because they you know maybe they existed back then anyway men are different than women and um but men in particular the a little bit of the uniqueness and what's been given to them is they've been made to bear responsibility they've been made to take care of others. They've been made to bear weight. Men are made to protect. They have a sense of wanting to protect others, to protect their family, to protect the country. You know, and I'm, it doesn't mean women don't have any of that, but there's a weight of that that's given to the men. Paul said this to the Corinthians. I love this expression. He says, act like men i mean that expression's in the bible you just would say now this generation would definitely scratch that phrase out of the bible right but paul said he told the men he didn't tell the women to act like men he's telling the men in corinthians in corinth he says act like men there's something particular he was talking about there when he said that and what he's doing he's telling them to be strong to be courageous to be willing to sacrifice for your family to be willing to stand for what's right when it's not popular, to do the most difficult thing, to not be afraid, to lay your life down when it's necessary. Don't just try to preserve your life. He's telling you to take that stand, to go forward and do that. And what a, what a great word. And I believe that the believers, the men particularly, need to hear this today. Act like men in this generation. Act like men in this hour. You see? So and what happens when the father is acting like a man? What's he doing there? Um, he's bringing strength to the home. The wife feels that strength. The children feel that strength that comes from the father when he's acting like a man, when he's doing what he's supposed to do. Again, does this mean women don't ever do these things? Not at all. They do them all the time. Sometimes. I mean, <laughs> they do them more than a lot of men do. But I'm just saying God made men, I believe, to be the examples of this and to step up to the plate, and they need to be the ones bearing the weight. The Father also has a unique grace upon his life to bring order to things. My dog, for some reason, can tell the difference when I'm talking to him and when my wife talks to him. Now, if, if we come home... My dog's just jumping. I mean, he, he's a little tiny dog. He's like half a little dog. And he'll jump up the, the, the window just as high as he can, like that's going to make him get out the door, he, the, the window on the door, the glass on the, on the door, I mean. And he'll jump up as high as he can go. And, high, and when he sees us coming home, we open the door, and where does he go? He goes to my wife, right? That's it. I don't know why, but guess where he goes when there's a thunderstorm? I don't know how a dog knows that. And when my wife tells the dog, do, you know, stay there or be quiet or you know what, 
he doesn't pay her one bit of attention. If she says, come here, let me give you, he'll go. If it's what he wants to do, he'll get all excited about it. But when she wants to say something to the dog to tell him to do something, dog doesn't pay any attention. But if I tell the dog to do something, he's still, I don't know if I call him ignorant or what he is, but he's still a little hard-headed. But I can tell he he's like, he looks at me different and he, he will obey much differently than with my wife. And I believe that there's a reason in that. See, my wife's made more nurturing than that. She doesn't want to rise up to that place of authority with the dog. It's like, you know, she, oh, I don't want to make him feel bad, you know. Um, but a man's made where that authority comes out of him a little more naturally. And I believe God has made man that way on purpose. And God made women the way they're made on purpose. So, Going from that and the authority that's sort of resident within a man and his role and what he's been called to do in life and in the home, I believe a man also has been given special grace to mold the character of children, to chisel away bad attitudes and habits, and to teach and instill values and morals. Hebrews 12 says, Our fathers disciplined us the best they knew how it never it doesn't say mothers never disciplined us but the fathers are the ones who are responsible and they should be the ones behind it all and they bear the burden of responsibility and i can just say personally when i grew up i got quite a few spankings i don't think i got as many as my brothers and sister did maybe i did i don't know um, say so they say uh, they he was worn out by the time he got to me, so I didn't get as many spankings because I was the youngest one. But um, but my mom didn't spank me. She spanked me one time, and I'm telling you, I almost, we almost laughed together when it was over. Now, that just sounds so funny, but I remember that. And she was like, "There, I did it," you know, or something like that. But my dad was the one who spanked me. You know, every time he was the one who disciplined me. Now my mom might have gotten on my case. She'd definitely get on me. I mean, when we'd go somewhere, I better be on time or she would leave me. She'd be going. I mean, she's like, you better get in line. You bet you need to be disciplined. You, you know, so many times, you know, she'd be going down the driveway, which we had a long driveway. I lived out in the country and we did. I did not even know we had an address. I mean, I don't even know what our address was. We lived there for, I mean, my parents owned that home for about 50 some years of my life. And I already. We lived in the middle of nowhere. We, we, had, we go, went to town to get our mail. <laughs> I mean, seriously. We said, Where do you, where'd you live? Where's your address? On the highway. We're like, down, you go down that highway, and this, before you, you go past the street. You know, I grew up, we don't give addresses. We tell, we tell uh, like, landmarks. Oh, you'll, you'll go past this little thing like that right there, and there's going to be a house that... You put my, I bet you put my address and try to, I don't, again, I never even, I don't even know my address growing up, honestly. I, isn't that crazy? Living there for however many years. I, I left there to go to college. But even after that, I mean, anyway, I know how I got off on that. I just hadn't, I just, just came to my mind, thought, what an interesting little thing there. Anyway, let me, let me get back to this here. Um, you know, uh, men are made in a certain way, wired a certain way to say certain things, and um, we need to begin to live that out, and we need to begin to bring discipline to our home, all right? As I was men mentioning, my dad would always discipline me, and I, I keep having these flashbacks now. You know, um, I tell you, this is just the funniest thing growing up, how it was. See, cultures are so different, and some things are probably good of the culture. Maybe some things are a little too extreme, but when we did wrong, when I was growing up, you're going to be disciplined. Uh, my dad would say, okay, you're going to get a spanking. But he didn't give it to me right then. He didn't give it to any of us right then. We had to wait. We had to wait. And it, had to be, it was going to be after supper time. So we'd all have supper together. And we'd be sitting down and everybody knew you were going to get a spanking that night. The whole family knows you're going to get a spanking. And so we'd be there eating. And the one getting a spanking like, you know, you don't want to eat. Because you know you're going to get, but you've got to eat supper because you get your spanking after supper. 
And then while everybody's at the supper table, Dad takes you into the utility room, which is right beside where you're eating, and everybody else is sitting at the table. And he tells every, all the other children, if you laugh, you're going to get a spanking too when I get out. And you're just going, oh, my. And nobody's wanting to laugh. They're just trying to hold it back. You better not laugh, but you're going to sit right there. And this is going to be an object lesson for you. Pay attention, because if you mess up, remember, this is what's going to happen to you, right? And you go back in that room, and, man, you'd get a, you'd get a whipping. But I never doubted my dad loved me. I never doubted my dad loved me. You know what I'm saying? I didn't like to get spankings. Sometimes I got upset. Maybe one or two times, I thought it was even unjust, but I'm glad he did his best. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm glad he did his best. Anyway, our fathers disciplined us the best they knew how for good. And then 1 Timothy 3 says this, a man who's going to be an elder in the church, it says, must rule his home well, or that word rule could be oversee or manage his home well, having his children in submission with all reverence. The man is responsible to have his children in submission with all reverence, even though it looks like mom ends up doing a lot of the work of that. All right, are y'all with me? Now, that verse says something, and I'll just mention this for a second. It says, if a man can't do that at home, he can't be a leader in the church. It's not saying he's a bad person. It's just saying he hasn't developed that skill yet, and that's very necessary. And that should show you just a little tidbit of what church ought to be like. It's got fathers and leaders that uh, understand how to discipline their home and bring it into order and cause it to go in the right direction. That same need is needed in the church, the very same thing, and it should be involved, but we don't have church like that anymore. But that's, I believe, God's intention. We'll talk about that maybe another day. I wanted to talk about it today, but it was going to take too long. Anyway, so it says here, a man who's going to, be a re ruler or overseer in the church, needs to rule his home well, having his children in submission with all reverence. Let me ask you this. What does it look like to have your children in submission with all reverence? Okay? Well, how does that translate? It means your children needs to be respectful of other people, particularly respectful to their parents. They need to be well-mannered and kind, and polite. Your children need to be respectful to elders, to other people. They need to be willing to serve and to help. Always remember this one incident where a family visited our church one day. This is years ago, and they had about three or four children, and we were in a place where we had to break down the chairs and remove the chairs and move the equipment. And um, I believe it was the very first time this family had come. And church is over. They realized things had to be moved. Those children kicked in the gear. They helped. Every one of them involved helping just like that. And I saw those children. I think nobody had to tell them to do that. They came to church. A lot of our children that are in church every week You've got to round them up to get them to help, and the parents aren't trying to get them to help and be a part. You understand what I'm saying? I'm like, do you not realize that you're missing out on a great opportunity there? And, of course, I'm watching these children, and I'm going, wow, wow. That didn't just come because they're good children. That came because the parents taught them to have that attitude. You see what I'm saying? Wow, what was so great? The other day I was at a, a man's house. He's from India. And um, my wife and I went, and we sat down, and his, his son, which I'm guessing he must be around 14 or so, he comes, he, without the father saying anything, uh, we're sitting there meeting, the son brings us something to drink, goes back, comes back, brings us some food, snacks, and whatever. So his dad didn't say, hey, could you give us some, or hey, would you go do this? He taught him that. 
He already knew this. And I'm just watching this young man and I'm going, wow, look how he's been taught how to serve and how excellent that is. I mean, yeah, I was just very impressed with that. And I, I was just so blessed with seeing that. And uh, I hope as I'm conveying that, you can just see the excellence in children that have been taught to be excellent. Children will learn if you teach them. And I can tell you, they may not want to learn. They might have an attitude about it, but you keep working with them and encouraging them and reward them when they do well and tell them what a great job they did and how excellent that is. And you watch, they'll be excellent like that when they grow up. Don't, you know, keep your child from that. You might not think, oh, I don't want to make him do that. Oh, I don't want, oh, it's too much of a hassle. Oh, he's going to argue with me. Oh, he's going to have an attitude. Okay, you can just say that, but let me tell you, you are depriving him of something that will go with him the rest of his life if you will instill it in him and make him be excellent in his behavior. Do y'all see what I'm saying? I mean, fathers, rise up. You, you have a huge role in life, and if you take it to a higher level, what you impart in your children will go on with them and their children long after you're dead. I just think it's so powerful and important. So instill excellence in your children. Now, a lot of parents don't think these things are important. You know, they'll just say, well, don't sin, believe in Jesus, and stay out of trouble. But God, to God, all these things are important. And some of these things, you know, we might not just say are not just Christian. For example, being polite. It's not only Christians that are polite. But even if you're polite and you're not a Christian, it's still godly to be polite. Do y'all see what I'm saying? Just like telling the truth. You don't have to be a Christian to tell the truth, but it's godly to tell the truth, isn't it? Right? So all these things are godly. And I'll mention a few other things that I wouldn't call necessarily under the banner of submission with reverence. One other thing I'll just mention, uh, Paul confronts when he's talking to Titus. You know, Titus is sort of like Timothy. Titus is going to be helping this church get going. And um, there's, there are Cretans in that church. This is one of the most interesting statements. It is so anti-PC, anti-whatever uh, you want to call it. What's the other word today? Not just PC, anti-woke. Um, he says this, and imagine Paul saying this. And I'm just paraphrasing and only saying part of it. He says a lot more than this. Cretans are lazy. <laughs> now, Paul would say that it would be all over the news, right? Anyway, we'll get off into that another day. But he says, Cretans are lazy. Rebuke them sharply so that they may be firm in the faith. Cretans are lazy. Rebuke them for being lazy so that they may be firm in the faith. He is connecting being lazy with not being firm in the faith. That is really interesting to me. Now, I want to say something here that I think, I mean, merits your consideration. Whenever I see someone come to the Lord, and they've come from a background where, let's say there's no Christian background. They grew up in a pagan home. But they learn discipline. They have a work ethic. What they commit to, they do. When they make a solid commitment, I look at them and I'm thinking, there's a good chance they're going to make it. They're disciplined. I can have somebody else pray. Maybe cry, give their life to the Lord. And after a few weeks, I recognize they're not disciplined. Maybe they're lazy. And I see that start creeping into their life. I'm just thinking, the pagan, the person with a pagan background has an absolute amazing chance, if you want to call it that, of doing amazingly well in God. That lazy person has a great chance of falling away and not doing anything with their Christian life 
Still going to church every once in a while, still talking about God, but not doing anything to build their Christian life, not doing anything to grow, not developing their prayer life, not developing their word time. They'll never amount to much in God. I've seen it over and over and over. And sometimes I think back about this. And I know, and I, and I, you, well, let me get into that in another statement in a minute. But I think about this sometimes and I'm going, wow, that child that learned discipline at home, he learned a work ethic at home, is going to do better just because of that quality, which is godly, that his parents put into his life. Then that other child who grew up, grew up maybe in a Christian home that did not learn a work ethic and did not learn to not be lazy. It is a crazy thing. And I think, wow, parents, how important it is that you teach your children to not be lazy, to work, to get out of bed, to do something with their lives, not sleep all the time, not be on the TV watching programs all day long and being lazy. Make your children productive. Make them want to be fruitful and do something with their lives. I'm not saying there's nothing, you know, they can't do anything on the computer. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying you can get a certain wiring of laziness and entitlement. And this generation is so entitled. Give me, give me, give me. They graduate, they want to be at the top where everybody else is without having worked to have gotten there. You know what? That's going to fall down one day. That's going to fall down. This is an interesting, just an interesting word. There's a proverb. I don't know if I wrote this down. Anyway, maybe it's somewhere else. But anyway, there's, there's, a, there's a, one word that Paul said that I did write down. Paul says, stay away from any brother who leads an undisciplined life. What do you mean an undisciplined life? Well, if you read the few, next few verses, this is somebody who can, who can work. He's got the ability to work, but for somehow he doesn't make himself work. He doesn't work. He's just busy, busy body, not doing anything with his life. Paul says somewhere else, stay away from people that will pull you away from your steadfastness. Y'all see, see what that's saying? You see, you're steadfast, you're plugging along. It says, don't hang around people that aren't going to be chugging along with you. They're going to pull you back. Don't get connected with that. doesn't say don't love them. doesn't say don't minister to them. But if they want to live way back there, why, you, why does light have in fellowship with darkness? Are y'all with me? Amen? All right. So, anyway, fathers, I just want to encourage you. Your children need your input. They don't need you to be passive. They don't need you to put all the responsibility on the mom. You need to do your part. You need to act like a man. Put your britches on and do your part. Spend time with them. Find out what's going on in their lives. And bring God's perspective. Man, kids are so... Maybe I shouldn't call them kids. Some have said that word comes from a, a bad origin. So let's call them children. Children are so vulnerable to everything. And they go through so many pressures. And there's so much craziness in life now. You know, uh, they say, you know, if you're in the wrong classroom and you don't like your voice, they'll tell you, well, maybe it's because you have gender confusion. And you're not really a boy. Maybe deep down on the inside, you're a girl. Or you don't like the way you look. And you might go, well, you know what? Maybe it's because you're not a girl. You're actually a boy on the inside. And so they feed these, this information to children who are so vulnerable about their identity in any way. Do you all remember what it's like to be in elementary school and middle school and high school even? All the insecurity that's there. You're wondering about yourself. You're, you know, well, do I do this wrong? Am I like, you know, you know what I'm saying? So at their most vulnerable time, you've got, school speaking to them 24-7, if you want to include the social media and all of that, they're getting bombarded with crazy ideas. And if, if they don't have somebody speaking to them, giving them some God perspective, 
And I'll tell you something else. I was just thinking somewhat recently about, and I just, I won't say the name, someone that I know who's such a nice person, but the individual has no biblical perspective whatsoever, even though um, that person would say they're a Christian. No biblical perspective. You know, everything that is said, um, the person, you know, the person soaks it up. It's just amazing to me that, that, that the inability to be able to take the Word of God and, and show when, no, there, there has, there's some other reality about all this gender stuff. No, there's some other something here. No. We need to have the Word of God to bring our senses back to us, and that needs to be our standard from which we have to understand everything. Anyway, and parents, you need to get the Word of God to your children. And when you show them, it's just not my idea, son. Here it is in the Word of God. This Word has been given to us to bring clarity to life and to, to, to make us understand what is and what isn't. Amen? Parents, if you don't bring this to your children, they're going to be more confused. And you can't just bring it. Some, some parents don't even bring their children to church anymore. They don't give them or sit with Zoom with them anymore. They'll let them do whatever. They'll, have them, they'll take them to Little League baseball games, but they won't take them to church. Let me tell you something. Little League baseball games aren't going to help your children figure out life. Little League baseball games aren't going to help them understand the right direction to go. God's going to be what they need in life more than any other thing, and you should be prioritizing God, and your children need to see that you're prioritizing God and that you make them prioritize God because they're in your home. Joshua said, me and my household, we will serve the Lord. That's not meaning to be ugly, but as long as they're in your care and they haven't moved out yet and they're not grown up yet, whatever, bring them to church, bring them to God, help them to understand the things of God. Amen? So. Part of you, most of you are probably aware that um, a whole bunch of our problems in this nation are there because fathers have not been very involved with their children. I was just seeing where a lot of these people that have commit, committed mass murders, you know, um, a lot of them have serious issues with their fathers. They either didn't have one with any input in their life or it was a really very dysfunctional relationship, and they actually felt horrible about themselves, couldn't figure out life, didn't know where, what was up, what was down. And um, it's been said that these mass shootings are more of a homicide, a suicide mission than a homicide mission. The real thing is a lot of them hate themselves. Of course, it is, it's homicide, but the point is, they hate themselves. There's something so wrong on the inside of them, and that's a big father issue. And I do, I do believe that's probably a part of the problem. But there's so many stats of those who don't have that fatherly input. They're four times more likely to be poor. There's a significant rate, higher rate of drug abuse, aggressive behaviors, emotional problems, sexual promiscuity, crime. The crime rate so much higher. That's just a crazy rate. I, I forgot exactly what it's like, but it's like the, the chances are like 10 times greater of you going to jail if you didn't have fatherly input. Now, I want you just to imagine not only having a father's input and the difference that that makes, but I want you to imagine having a father's input who's born again, believing God, believes in the Word of God, prays for his family, prays for his children, brings the Bible into their lives. Imagine what the difference that would make would be. I mean, think about that. Man, it would be huge. Did you know that this, this is interesting? Y'all know that um, among marriages, y'all know what percent divorce? 50. And I didn't realize this. I just read it recently. But you know of second marriages? Well, how many divorce? 78%. I meant to say 50%. I just said 50, right? 50 would be a really low number in America. But 50% of, of marriages divorce. 78% of second marriages divorce. You know what percent of marriages divorce that pray together daily? It's phenomenal. Less than 
Less than 1% of marriages that pray together daily divorce. That is pretty phenomenal. Prayer is powerful. Now, there are no stats on this, but what do you think might happen if the family were to have a time together of prayer every day, even if it's only a few minutes, just to connect with everybody and what they're going through? Just parents, I want you to think about this. It doesn't seem important. You can just put it off one day at a time. But what would happen if you were to take that initiative, fathers? And if there's no father at home, mothers, take that initiative. Make that prayer time happen every day. I believe that the results will be stunning. So um, I do believe that needs to be that whole vision. You see, that whole vision of getting the Bible back into the home, getting prayer back into the home. I think that's part of what is on God's heart right now. I want y'all to think about this. Everything's changing. Something's not been working right in the church. And I think our focus has been, let's have bigger services. Let's have better services. Let's have more anointed services. And I think all that's good. And I, I like all that. I like bigger services. I like better services. I like more anointed services for sure. But we're not really doing what we're supposed to be doing until the word and prayer gets back into the home. You see, and that needs to begin to be more of our focus. That needs to begin to be what we're seeing. I, bl I believe if that'll happen, I mean, think if the churches were to make that their focus. Let's get the word and prayer back in the home. Look at how that would transform this whole nation. It would transform the next generation. You know, we have, the parents have so many things to do with their children. Get them there, get them there, get them, get them here, get them there. And there's no plan to get them closer to God in the home. It's so simple. It doesn't even have to take much time, but you better be consistent. I believe this is going to be, when, the, and I believe it's going to happen. I believe it's what God's doing right now. And I just want to encourage any of you that are out there and you've had this on your heart, because I, I wanted to help put something together, something just so simple that sort of builds community here with those that want to be making that happen in their home, where, the, where that's going on every day, and we're hearing testimonies. We've got an app that will hopefully be ready in the next few weeks or maybe a month or two, hopefully not that long, where we're going to be able to connect with groups like that, where, where groups can get together and share about what's going on, what happened in your home, and how'd your prayer time go, and what'd your son say that day? You know, you can begin to share those things where there's a community, and uh, we, want, we want to do that, and if you've had that on your heart, I'd love to hear about hear from you, but um, Susanna Wesley, she's a great hero of mine. She brought the Word of God to her children. She had 10 children. She, had, she actually had 19, and uh, nine of them died when they were really young back then, they didn't have all the doctor's care, but think about that, 19 children. She raised 10 of them, the ones that lived. Um, she brought the Word of God to her children. She taught them the Word of God some every day. And uh, during the week, she had this an outside Bible class that she would do with her, with her children, okay? She did that with her children and wasn't even intending on it for, and for everybody, and they started inviting their friends. And neighbors began to come. She had hundreds of people in her backyard, hundreds every week because of her Bible study that just started in her home. That's really amazing. And to me, it's like some kind of example of the kinds of things that ought to be happening today. We need to get the Word of God back into the homes. It needs to be back into the communities. Children need to be bringing their other friends over to home. Hey, we got Bible study going on. That sounds pretty crazy. Nobody wants to go to that, right? No, you don't know. We, it's good. You got to come. And we have fun afterwards. It's great. Can you imagine there, there being such life in that? Because I believe when God, when people begin to do this and they press through that initial, I feel weird about this. I, feel, I don't know how to do this. When they press through that, I believe they're going to discover God in this and they're going to begin to enjoy doing it more. And children will want to get them, bring their friends. You know, moms and dads should say, hey, bring your friends over for dinner tonight. And, and they will be able to experience our little Bible get together. It'd be a great night for them. And we'll pray for them and bless them. It's only going to be 10 minutes, you know. And, and so what a great thing to do. Amen.
I just think it's a tremendous thing to do. And by the way, since we have mentioned Susanna Wesley, I just want to say this for all of you single moms, because you might be hearing this about, about, you know, the father's role and going, oh, I miss out on that. Oh, I don't have that. That's why I can't do this. Oh, I, well, I'm, I'm handicapped because I don't have um, the man at home. Um, Susanna's husband was hardly ever home. He was in jail a whole lot, believe it or not, for not paying his bills, I believe is the reason. And uh, she pretty much raised those 10 children by herself and provided for them by herself. That's just amazing to me. And she spent time with each one individually during the week um, to pastor them and to get into their lives and talk to them about God. I just, it's just phenomenal. But she raised up, she raised up world changers. They were spiritual world changers. And of course, everybody's probably heard of John Wesley, who um, the, all the whole Methodist church came out of him. Um, that's not, not anything necessarily to brag about these days. But at one time, uh, I, I don't know what, what's much in the Methodist church, but there was a time when it was full of power. In fact, if you go to the Methodist churches in um, South America, they're all full of the Holy Spirit, full of power. And they will say the church in America has nothing to help us with. Anyway, but we're all trying our best, amen? And whatever church we've come out of, wherever we are, we just need to plow forward. And, you know, whatever church you've been a part of, if you've been a part of a church, you know what? We don't just want to settle back. We're always going forward. We always want to learn. We always want to grow. I'm thankful for the church I grew up in, and yet I want to grow past where, where they were. I, you know, if, you, if, you, if a church just tries to settle, it's just going to end up going downhill. Once you try to just preserve everything, preserve. Oh, we're going to preserve the truth. We're going to. If that's all you do, you're going to go downhill. You got to go forward. Amen. All right. Okay. Getting back to this, what would happen in this nation if all the churches would start to emphasize this? God called Abraham because he knew he had trained his children. It says this in Genesis eighteen nineteen. I chose him so he'd command his children after him to keep the way of the Lord and doing what's right and just. God established a pattern. I'll reach out to Abraham. I'm going to teach Abraham my ways, and I'm going to have Abraham teach his children and have them teach their children. That's a pattern. I believe it's supposed to happen today. I believe we should come to church. We should be encouraged. We should learn, and we should go home and teach everything we know to our families. We should go to our communities, teach everything we can where there's an open door. If possible, you can start doing a little Bible group at your work. You can do a Bible group if you own a business with your employees. Do whatever God would have you to do, but just take that little step and be consistent. Amen? Watch what God will do. I had a very successful man tell me one day. He called me and he, um, he said, I want you, you and your church to train my children in the things of the Lord. I just don't have time to do it. I don't have time to talk to them about God and tell them about God, and teach them about, and I'm just thinking, are you serious? But when I think about it, that's really the way a whole lot of people act today. It sounds crazy to hear what that man said, right? I want you to do it. I don't have time to train my children. People wouldn't say that today because it sounds crazy, but people act that way. How many people say things like this? I'm too busy. You don't know how busy I am. Oh, I had such a, such a busy week last week. I just didn't have time to, to spend with the children. I just didn't, we didn't have our prayer. Oh, I was so busy. You see, we like to give excuses so we can feel good about something we didn't do. Oh, we had a special thing to go to last week. Oh, I had a special thing happening this Sunday. Oh, I was really tired and they didn't bring them to church. Oh, you know what? We had some ball game to go to. And it, well, this, 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 this. There's always an excuse. But when you look back on your life, what is your pattern? What is your pattern? Do you go the extra mile? Have you prioritized training your children? It takes a sacrifice, but if you think it's a priority, you need to make it a priority. Amen? You have to make it a priority. And it's not going to happen because you say, I ought to. It's only going to happen when you say, I'm going to. I'm going to bring my children to church. I'm going to talk to my children every day about God some way. I've shared this before, but when I was growing up, we had a little season where we had a little bread basket on the table. It wasn't a real bread basket. It was a plastic bread basket. And it had a whole bunch of cards stuck up in it. And I mean, 
there's probably some games with kind of with cards written was written on both sides, right? So they were about like that, rectangular cards stuck, and it'd have a scripture on both sides. So what you do? You just sit at the table, and before we'd have supper, you pull out a card. You'd read that verse, and I'm telling you, you can have some funny verses and some verses that don't make any sense just reading them by themselves. You know, sometimes you need to read the other side and go, okay, well, that one's a little more understandable, right? It's just sort of funny, some verses that these people can isolate. But anyway, just doing that and talking about that verse and what that verse might mean just for a minute or two, man, that's powerful. You know what I'm saying? It's just that little bit is so powerful. I, even when I go to a restaurant, sometimes I'll be able to pray for the waitress as, as an example. And uh, I, what need do you have? And right at that moment, I know the presence of God's going to come. It, why? Because I've gotten used to it. I've gotten used to praying and the presence of God coming. So I'm thinking, when I pray for him or for her, I know they're going to experience God right now. And many times I'll even feel it. And I say, did you feel just like God's presence with you? And often they'll go, yes, I did. I felt, I sensed that, right? Anyway, I'm just saying that little, that little something makes a difference. When I pray for somebody like that, it changes the atmosphere, changes the atmosphere of that person's mind, right? Have you ever done that? You notice that? What a, what a difference it makes? Imagine if you would do that a little bit every day in your home. I just believe the results would be pretty phenomenal. Okay, what does fathering include? I just mentioned some things, run through them sort of quickly here. First of all, you got to love your children. And uh, what does it mean to love your children? You got to want, first of all, you got to want to see them do well. You've got to want to see them do better than you do. You got to think about them. You know, hopefully they're going to go further than you've gone. And you got to have that kind of mentality and not just be thinking about yourself. Fatherhood teaches you that. If fatherhood teaches you anything, well, first of all, getting married teaches you not to be selfish. And then being a father, a good father, it takes it to the next level, right, of not being selfish. So you need to want the best for your children. And, uh, and, and that also means wanting to see them develop right. You know, as, as my children were growing up, I couldn't stand the thought of them growing up with something messed up in their character. That would come to my mind a lot, like, Man, I don't, man, I got to get that out of them, right? Uh, I, or I need to help them and, and instruct them with this in that area. Or I need to teach them that. That was regularly on my mind. And uh, I think it is on the minds of any father that loves his children. And, uh, you know, you need to get involved. Secondly, you need to pay attention to your children. Where is he in life? Where is he going? What's he doing? Where, where is he? You know what I'm saying? Where is he? Um, what's going on in his life? What kind of relationships is he getting into? What kind of influences are at school? What are the teachers teaching? You got to find that out more than ever. You know, I, can you imagine your little boy coming home and saying, teacher told me maybe I'm a little girl. You know, I heard just recently, there's a classroom somewhere where the, the, student, the school was told. Well, anyway, I think some, some student was responding to the teacher like, I'm a cat or I'm some kind of animal meowing back. And uh, from what I understand, the, the teachers are told now, you got to reaffirm that. You can't correct that. They feel like they're a cat. And I just would scratch my head and go, what? You can't correct that. You can't make him feel bad about meowing back at you when you ask him a question. Now, this might sound real crazy. But I want to tell you, I don't know, I just don't know, maybe in five years, I'll have to be teaching people that we aren't cats and we're not wolves. There's another guy I saw the other day. He says he's a wolf. He makes that noise. He had this revelation that he's actually, his inner self is a wolf. I just want to say, I'm telling you, we're headed for some crazy times if we don't turn around. And some of our leaders leading this nation are the most crazy ever. I cannot believe that people give in to this craziness to appease. And we're, it's just making the whole nation blind and stupid. It is stupid. And I know for all the Latinos, they're like, oh, that's a cuss word. Right? <laughs> okay. Thirdly, you need to instruct your children. Teach them what is good. Tell them what is good. 
people are like, oh, no, you just let them find that out by themselves. They'll find that. No, your job is to teach them what's good and to teach them what's right, to teach them what's honorable, to teach them what's respectful. They're like a computer that does not have the information stuck in there yet. And if you don't teach them, somebody else will. In fact, somebody else already is. You're having to deprogram them and reprogram them. I remembered when my children started going to school, man, I just thought, whoa, they come home with attitudes. I remember that. Just thinking, wow, that attitude that's in school rubs off on them. They come home with that same attitude. I have to work extra to get that attitude off of them. And then we got them to Christian school, and that was better. It was definitely better. But I'm just saying, there's input continually going on when your children, you're going to have to get involved to counteract it and to get the Word of God in there to be what's primary in their heart and in their mind. And you're going to have to uproot junk all the time. I, and I'll just say, I can't figure out how any Christian parent puts their children in most of these schools because there is a predetermined, purposeful, inputting, impartation, indoctrination of ungodliness. You know, I heard the other day, I probably am remembering this wrong, but um, in some school, they took these children to a drag exhibit. What do you call that? A drag show? I don't even know what it's called. Where the drag queens go out, the, the men dressed like women go out, dressed sexually like a woman. And this is a place, adults, you have to be an adult even to get in, but they have allowed the elementary children to get there because it's an educational event. Think about the stupidity of that. And what about the stupidity of drag queen story hour? Is that not the most stupid, ignorant, dumb thing you've ever heard and immoral and ungodly? That should be the most obvious thing to anybody, and you do not have to be a Christian to figure that out. But look at the stupor that's in this nation. Look at the stupor that's in our culture. I cannot believe the, the level of, and depth of stupidity that's in our nation. And it comes off of your TV. It comes directly out of your government authority figures. It comes out of your newscast. It comes off the Internet. It comes off of social media. This stupidity is everywhere. It's like that story. Did y'all study the story? I forgot the name of it. The emperor's got no clothes on. Is that the name of the story? The emperor's new clothes. That was it, right? You remember everybody? Everybody's taught the emperor. You know, the emperor's, these tailors go, oh, we're going to make this beautiful clothing for you, but if you're stupid, you can't see it. So they put it on, and they're both going, oh, what an amazing. I'm improvising, of course, because it's been a long time. You know, he's like, oh, and these two are going, what an amazing, amazing set of clothing. And this, isn't that the best you've ever seen? Oh, yes, it is. And the king is going, he doesn't want to look stupid. He doesn't want to look stupid. So he goes, yeah, oh, yeah, look at these clothes. And then he's so proud of his clothes, everybody hears the story. Everybody's saying it because they don't want to look stupid. Oh, look at the king's, oh, they're so beautiful. Exactly, they're beautiful. I don't know about that. Are you serious? You can't see his clothes? Oh, yes, I do. Yes. Oh, it is beautiful. I see now. It's beautiful. Everybody's saying it's beautiful. And finally, the little boy goes, the emperor's naked. And people go. And somebody else goes, he is naked. And somebody else goes, he is naked. Then everybody, the light starts to come on. He is naked. Everybody had been accepting a truth because it was politically correct. You were going to get chastised if you didn't go along with that truth. You were going to be said you're stupid if you didn't go along with the narrative that's been told. But one person says the most commonsensical thing. The emperor has no clothes on. Oh, how can you say that? But then somebody else says it, and first thing you know, the light comes on. I just want to say, more people need to be saying the emperor's got no clothes on right now. It's the most obvious thing in the world. And the only people that can't see it definitely have some kind of stupor on their minds. We need to help them. We need to help them. So, okay, you need to train your children. Don't just teach them what? 
Show them how. So if you're going to teach your children to be responsible, guess what? Don't just tell them be responsible. Give them a chore. You need to do this every day. One thing. Take the trash out. Or mow the lawn every week. Or something. They might go, well, I can't believe Daddy makes me do that. You know what? In my mind, you're causing your children to develop something. Responsibility. They may never connect that with them being responsible later. They may can never connect the, the dots and realize that's why they do certain things the way they do. But fathers, teach your children and train them to be responsible. Give them something to do and have them do it faithfully. And when they do it faithfully, jump up and down and say, you're an amazing kid. I mean, child, you did an amazing job with that. There's no other trash taker outer that's better than you. You're the best one. You have to correct your children. When they go off the path, you have to speak to them about it. You have to. I see some people that don't correct their children. I just don't get it. You know, I've, I, you ever been in a grocery store? You see some ch child running all over, knocking things off the, off the table, and the mom's there just like, I don't care. And I'm going, are you serious? You know what he's going to grow up to be if you don't correct him? It's your fault. It's not his fault. It's your fault he's going to become what he's going to become. You ever see children just kicking on the floor, kicking on the floor, kicking on the floor, and you're going, the mom's just like, now stop that. Now, if you're going to do either ignore them and walk away from it or do something about it, but don't just don't cater to it. Are y'all with me? Correct your children while there's time. Correct attitudes. It's a huge part of parenting. You got to correct their, uh, not just their behavior and their attitudes. I was going to get into the story about Cain, which I'm not going to have time to do that, but it's a powerful story of fathering. God corrects Cain's behavior, then he corrects his attitude. Cain, why are you so angry? What's up with your attitude? Do you not realize if you don't fix this, you're going to be in trouble. You're going to do some dumb things if you don't fix your attitude. We need to work on this. Wow. You see what I'm saying? You got to correct attitude. Some parents think, well, if you had not done anything yet, I'm all right. No, you need to talk to that attitude. If you don't fix the attitude, there's some bad actions down the road. It always happens. It always happens. And then there has to be chastening, which is a form of discipline. We all don't like this, and I've already shared what happened to me. But this is an interesting verse. I'll just I'll be brief on this. Proverbs 19:18, the verse I was looking for a while ago is in the in a different place. Think about this. Discipline your child while there's still hope. Otherwise, you'll ruin their life. <laughs> you know, some translations, they do it word for word. And other translations take the old language and, and they say that's the meaning of it. Virtually everybody says that's the meaning of what that verse is saying. It's really powerful. Let me read it again. Discipline your child while there's still a hope. Otherwise, you will ruin their lives. Discipline your child while there's still hope. Otherwise, you will ruin their future. Wow. A lot of lives have been ruined because they were not disciplined when they were young. A lot of lives have been shortchanged because they were not disciplined when they were young. A lot of lives have missed out on something because they didn't have that character put in them that they needed to have. Now, I just want to say, church can't replace that. It's not supposed to. And yet, on the other hand, I do believe church is there to be a part of bringing that into people's lives. That's why Paul told Titus, rebuke, rebuke that person who's lazy. And he told somebody else something else. You see what I'm saying? He's saying these things to these people because the church is supposed to have this fathering element in it 
where these things that did not get brought up and dealt with in people's youth does get brought up with and, and dealt with. Now, I bet you there are many of adults listening to me right now. You're going, man, I wish I had had a little more discipline. I wish I'd had a few more spankings growing up. I wish I'd had a little bit more involvement, a little bit more correction, a little bit more involvement. It's not too late. But I'll tell you, most of the time when you grow up, you really, you want it, but you don't want it. You don't want anybody in your life. You don't want anybody correcting you. This, this reminds me of one football player. He was a huge guy. And uh, this was when the Texans were just getting started. And he was coming to church and he sat down and I was meeting him and he's going to be a part of my church. And he said, Pastor, I want you to be hard on me. So I'm like, okay. He says, I want you to be hard on me. He says, I want to grow. Well, what he was telling me was, he wants me to be brutally honest with him. If I see something wrong in his life, if I saw something that wasn't in alignment with God, he didn't want me to let it pass. He's telling me, please. He said, I'm giving you permission. I want you, I want you to do it. I'm asking you, if you see something in me, I want you to address it. Because I want to grow. I want to change. I want to be more like God. I want to have a great family. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty amazing, you know, to have that attitude. And it, it's not easy, but I'll just encourage you, for all of you, if you want to grow, sometimes you need to be around your brothers and older men in the Lord uh, that can help you. And for women, older women in the Lord, that can help you go in the right direction. So, uh, chastening is very important. Chasing your children, discipline them. Last thing I'll just mention here, which we could see in the story of Cain that I didn't get into. God encourages Cain. He goes, Cain, what you up? What are you all upset about? Do you not know if you do right, you, everything's going to work out great? He said, "You messed up, Cain." He didn't let that pass. He didn't brush it under the rug. He goes. Yes, you, you messed up, and I got to bring it to your attention, and I'm teaching you, and I'm teaching you about now I want to show you how to do it right, but be encouraged. Just do it right next time. Everything's going to be great. You can do this, Cain. You can make it. What are you so upset about? Right? And parents, I'll, I'll just say you have to always encourage your children. Um, there's a scripture verse that says, parents, don't exasperate your children. That means don't be so much pressure where you make him give up and lose heart. And we can do that when we want the best sometimes without realizing it. And so always be an encourager. Always say good things to children. Always listen. Always teach. Now, for this week, I just want to encourage everybody. If you're a father at home, if you're a single mom at home, begin to do what we spoke about today. Don't just think, oh, that'd be a nice thing. Make yourself do it. Okay, your children just realize they might go, oh, mom, we don't want to do this. Or, oh, dad, we don't want to It's okay. Just start out with five minutes. Don't start out with 30 minutes. Start out with three or five minutes. Talk about a verse. You can just read one verse and just say, what do y'all think about that? All right? Can you, can you do that? Can you just tell yourself and tell God right now, okay, God, I'll do that. Just one verse with the children. One verse, if, if you're not, if you don't have, Children, you're married, just do that with your, your wife. One verse, talk about it, and then just pray together. I'm talking that could end up being five minutes. It may be longer, but um, it doesn't need to be too, so long. But just get started. That's your, that's your assignment this week. The Bible says, hearing the word won't do you one bit of good if you don't do something. So the proof is in the pudding. Are you going to do something? If you learn something that you think you ought to do, are you going to do it? And for those of you that are single, you don't have an involvement. Maybe some of you want to go on a little bit further. I want to encourage you. Um, you know, we have discipleship groups that we do periodically. And we're getting ready to do a big group here in our house on Sunday mornings before church. So you have to get up. You can bring your sleeping bags here maybe and sleep overnight so you'll be on time in the morning. Um, but um, whatever it takes, I want to encourage you to do the next step. If you're not going forward, you're going backwards. But if you just take a little step, you're going to be surprised the difference this will make in your marriage and in your children and in your home. Amen? Well, Father, we want to thank you today for your design and that you've designed fathers for a particular role. 
I pray, Lord, particularly for the men that have heard this message today, that they would make a decision that they're not going to wimp out or flake out or be lazy. They're going to act like men. They're going to be responsible. They're going to see their duties, and they're going to step up to the plate. They're not going to be selfish. It's not going to be all just about them. They're going to live their lives for others and for a greater cause than just themselves. Lord, make our men, our men, those that are connected with us, be men. Make our men want to be men. Make our men want to go beyond themselves. Make our men, God, want to live for something bigger than themselves. Make our men not want to be, be important in the eyes of men, um, but to truly do the things that are important to God. Lord, we ask you for that. And Father, we pray for our homes and for our families, Lord. There's been so much mess. So many of our lives have been affected by divorce or broken homes and not having a father or having a wife or husband that have left or uh, so many different things. God, only you can bring the healing that's needed. And Lord, we thank you that you'll do it in a great way. And what was evil, you'll take and make something good out of it. Thank you, Lord God. There's restoration. When things didn't happen the way they should have happened, Father, that's when the miracles come into play. When we don't need a miracle, we just walk it out the way it's supposed to be. Some of you, you need a miracle. You need God's intervention. And God says, well, that's what miracles are for. I'm exactly willing to do that for you. So, Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for the miracles for everyone that needs a relationship miracle, a family miracle, a healing miracle because of a relationship or something that's been missing, something that's not there that should have been. Lord, we're asking you and believing you, Lord, today for divine intervention. And God, I just pray for every person that just like Susanna Wesley, Lord, for just to say, I'm going to grab hold of God. I am not backing up. Every blessing God has, I am trusting him for it no matter what situation I'm in. In Jesus' name, amen.